You're listening to a Powetcast, an audio netcast from Powet TV. P O W E T dot TV. Chell it. Welcome back to what was originally supposed to be the final episode of our first Powetcast. Us presents the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy primary phase. As always, we're excited to add new listeners to the fold, but you've missed the whole thing. We have seven wonderful episodes chock full of Hitchhiker goodness waiting for you to discover. But we're also rewarding those who stuck with us since the beginning. There are lots of unanswered questions for those who know little about the BBC Radio production. What's a primary phase? What's a secondary phase? Just how many phases are there? Answers to this, some discussion of Douglas Adams' Doctor Who work, and more, after our review of the final episode, Fit the Sixth. All right, so this week we are just here with Keith and Colin. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Um, hi. What should we say Tom is doing that he's not here? Tom's not here. He's uh, he's checking his bios. What? He's emailing his hair. So after just about eight years, you're finally done. How does it feel? Eh. Yeah. Actually, I I start so many projects that I completely fail to finish. So it's it's nice to have something actually reach closure. Granted, it wasn't entirely my project, but I spent a lot of time on this, and most of the things I spend a lot of time on are still open after several years, so this is this is really good. Yeah. As I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, you actually managed to run into Alice and brought her back for, for recording sessions for this fit. Actually, um, surprisingly, it went really, 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 really quickly. Uh, we thought we might have a couple of hours ahead of us, and I think we got what we needed to done in about 20 minutes. And the reason is because we all have actual lives and have to manage our time now, and we don't spend hours and hours goofing off in a basement for five minutes worth of finished project anymore. That, and I live on the second floor. That's right. It was hours and, well, 20 minutes, 20 minutes uh, on the second floor. Zaphod, Trillian, and Marvin exit rather abruptly, as they do in the radio version. However, in the book, they make it safely back to the Heart of Gold and encounter Zarnawoop. Were there originally any plans to do something similar with, with this production? No. <laughs> Tom's original plan was to finish the 12 episodes of the original radio series, and I think he was going to finish um, Trillian and Zaphod's fates pretty much verbatim to what happens in the original radio series. Uh, actually, Trillian never appears again. It's true, but we have um, the wonderful Lentilla clones, and um, no, that's about it. So we never see the mice again, and they are not mentioned any further in the installments or any other version of this story. So what do you think happened to them? Road accident. (laughs) Yes, I think that's exactly what happened. (laughs) So I guess I did all the sounds for these last two fits. They were the only ones that weren't completed when we started the netcast here. So was anything particularly difficult? Keith and I spent a long time editing sound effects, and I'm afraid that we went with our worst impulse a lot of the time. So um, it's fun. It's funny. Tom's going to hate it, and he hasn't heard it yet. But, uh, yeah. Well, see, there, there's there's usually an average of maybe five to six narrator parts per fit. This one only has three, so we did twice as many sound effects. <laughs> Let's go with that. We One thing that's interesting about the sound effects in this particular fit is that we have, we have an awful lot of verbal sound effects, which we didn't really do in the past. Keith, I guess, got to provide a lot, a lot more secondary stuff, some of which he didn't even remember, apparently. Yeah, that's... See, I assumed that my only credit on this fit was going to be on the back end of the project. I did not remember at all recording or ever actually hearing 
my voice in those parts. And uh, so the first time Colin was playing the stuff for me and number two came on, who I play, I was like, who the heck is playing number two? And I thought it was pretty good. And then Colin told me it was me. And then <laughs> I got to a line where it was longer and I actually had to say some stuff and my accent started to falter. And then I recognized my own voice and started to hate it again. So it's, it's oh. just a weird juxtaposition. Interestingly, though, Keith also played the caveman. Oh. And, yeah, that one. <laughs> and uh, the first time in in the raw, unedited wave files that he had on his hard drive, he has a couple of grunts, and then he has a long string of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. And... <laughs> The first time he delivers that, there's there's about a half-second pause after which Tom and Craig burst out into ridiculous laughter. It takes a long time for them to regain their composure. Anyway, Keith's caveman was pretty damn entertaining. It's it's, it's kind of funny, because actually on the other end of things, when we originally recorded all the Fit the Six stuff, we were having trouble getting other people to come over in the first place. So that's part of the reason that it seems like we recycled a lot of voices in general. I mean, we're very Colin-heavy. We're very um, just about everybody who is plays a main character plays another major role in this fit. That's right. I think this is the only one where Craig plays a role that isn't Arthur. Well, he played uh, Magic Thighs. Okay, right. Magic Thighs and um, That was just whoever. so we could call him Craig Magic Thighs, whatever. <laughs> but... Yeah. <laughs> so we've been alluding to the secondary phase throughout the netcast, but what is it exactly? It's the phase after the primary one. Well, when Douglas Adams was originally hired by the BBC to write The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he was contracted to do six episodes. So he tied it up nicely at the end of Fit the Sixth, and then a couple of years later was hired on to write six more episodes which comprise the secondary phase. After the broadcast of the primary phase, or, or the first series of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams started writing the book, and later on he became notorious for missing deadlines. When he was writing the first book, it was apparently several months overdue when his editor finally called and said, listen, we're sending somebody over to pick up what you've got, finish the page you're on, because we need a first draft, and... The whole thing was due, you know, a while ago. So Douglas Adams <clears throat> finished what he was working on, which roughly corresponded to the end of episode four in the radio series. And then when it came time to write a second book, he only had two episodes worth of material from the original story. So what he basically did was picked and chose the best parts of the second series, or the secondary phase, I guess, and worked those into the story from episodes five and six. One practical difference of that restructuring is that the crew leave for the restaurant from Frogstar World B, which is um, a storyline from the secondary phase, uh, whereas in the original script, um, they leave from Magrathea instead. I think it's much more likely that it would have been built on the ruins of Magrathea as opposed to this Frogstar World B thing. Especially since Frogstar was such a dump. Totally. So, stuff from the secondary phase that never made it into any book uh, included planet of uh, avian creatures who worship Arthur. They had developed wings because they don't use their feet, the millions of sexy lentilla clones. Well, yeah, some of my favorite material from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, any version, comes from 
the 11th and 12th episodes of the radio series, which pretty much was almost entirely excised for the books. Um, there were the clones of the archaeologist Lintilla and the uh, shoe company executive Hig Hurtenflurst, who's a pretty funny character. Incidentally, the reason the birds did not use their feet anymore is because their planet was attacked by what is called the Shoe Event Horizon. All their businesses turned into shoe shops, and they couldn't do anything but produce shoes. Have you seen two Starbucks across the street from each other yet? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The end is near. Maybe maybe it's the coffee event horizon for us. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, in some ways, I'm really sad we never got to the secondary phase, as I mentioned before, because there's some pretty good Zaphod material, um, and I've wanted to redeem myself. And, you know, I really want to show up Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great reason. And for what it's worth, I do remember distinctly in one of our very first planning discussions about this, Tom promised me that I could play the character of Hig Hurtenflurst, who only appears in the secondary phase. So I'm rather depressed about that. No, you can still play him. (laughs) Since the escape from the restaurant was changed to the uh, hot black version as opposed to the Hagananans, Zaphod's introduction in 5th to 7th had to be rewritten because it's totally different compared to any previously written material. Uh, In the book, everyone makes it back to the Heart of Gold safely. Um, but in the radio show, uh, only Zaphod um, escapes the Hagononans, you know, as far as he knows, and he's kind of all alone now, um, and he can't find the Heart of Gold, kind of like Red Dwarf. Yeah, I have no idea how Tom was going to get us out of that. <laughs> I don't think we got that far. Well, we didn't get well, that far. Well, we didn't get that far, but... So speaking of Tom... <laughs> yeah, we had a horrible ha- falling out with Tom, and we're never going to speak to him again. Oh. He's combing his ram. <laughs> <laughs> God. So uh, posing even more compatibility problems, uh, the way that the secondary phase ends is totally incompatible with how any other Hitchhiker's story begins. So you listen to the secondary phase and it ends with Arthur stealing the Heart of Gold and uh, running off with it, um, having been rescued from the distant past by Zaphod during the secondary phase, and yet we start the tertiary phase with Arthur and Ford still on prehistoric Earth. Um, and they, they go to some lengths to explain this discrepancy in the later later radio series. There are three of them, tertiary, uh, quandary, and quintessential phases. Um, yeah, it, it all has to do with alternate realities and there being several different things that could have happened. And pretty much they only tell one of them, but it all comes together at the end. It's it's fairly clear when you're reading the books that Douglas Adams didn't really have a grand scheme in mind, and he just kind of took the story where it felt like it was going to go until the end of the fifth book, Mostly Harmless, where he actually does manage somehow to tie everything together. Um, in the later, in the newer radio adaptations that have been done in the last couple of years, they um they rework the story substantially and all of a sudden now uh in the new radio adaptations we have a very coherent pretty good storyline which we didn't necessarily have before much as i like the original versions yeah i think now i consider the radio shows to be the definitive version of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i didn't know this until recently but apparently the third book and subsequently the tertiary phase were actually adapted from an unused script for a doctor who movie doctor who and the cricket men you guys want to think about that i did not but that's awesome 
I don't know very much about it. I can tell you that the original script outline that Douglas Adams had written had been rejected by the BBC for being too silly. He also wrote, he also scripted a number of other Doctor Who episodes, and by a number of, I think I mean two, which are reasonably good, but what I hear from most people who are bigger Doctor Who fans than I am is that they all would have made great miniseries, but ended up shoehorned into one or two episodes each. I don't know. You might be able to, to address that. I can address that, actually. Um, I, I am forgetting the name, but there's a couple of Tom Baker episodes. The Pirate Planet? City of Death? Okay. Right. So, all right, if, if, if it is indeed called City of Death, that one's about uh, how the human race was started because this alien landed uh, on Earth just as the amniotic fluids were all, you know, coalescing and whatnot. So uh, he was scattered across time, fractured across different time zones, and was trying to re recompose himself and then get off the earth without his ship exploding. Unfortunately, that would mean that there would be no human race. So the doctor stops him from doing this and subsequently human race is born. And this seems completely silly uh, until you uh, think of a more recent Doctor Who episode where, as it turns out, the entire formation of the earth is because of some arachnid-like species that had it, that brought a ship into the solar system while everything was still rocky and dusty and became the center of the earth. Or if you're a Trekkie, it was Q's fault. Funny, your description of City of Death sounds an awful lot like the plot of the book Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, also by, by Douglas, Douglas Adams. Adams. Well, we'll we'll put something in the show notes if we got these uh, titles wrong. Um, so then the other one was what was the other one? Uh, the right, the Pirate Planet, which is part of the Key to Time series uh, story arc for whatever season that was. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, the I don't know if I want to spoil the plot now or to spoil the last one. <laughs> uh, uh, that one that one entails um, some sort of larger than life characters screaming at each other and and um, looking and acting generally silly. But then of course this was the BBC in the seventies, so. Uh, but I'm Ching. <laughs> You've given away the entire storyline. <laughs> <laughs> no, not going to give away the entire storyline. Uh, the the pirate planet is literally a planet that that is hollow and materializes like a TARDIS around other planets and then mines it for resources. It's actually kind of a cool idea. They use that in Invader Zim. Douglas Adams actually wrote a third story called Shada, which never um, completed production. Uh, it has been finished in two different forms, however. Uh, there was a BBC release where uh, a more recent Tom Baker narrated the parts that weren't filmed or edited or, wh or where there wasn't some um, narration. He would talk over the existing footage. Um, and that was pretty interesting. But there's also a uh, Flash animation. Um, oh, I forget where. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, though. Uh, a Flash animation of uh, the Eighth Doctor. Uh, Paul McGann. And, um, hmm? No, it's Paul. No. <laughs> uh, there, there's an animation of the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, uh, doing the same story. But they have to get... They have to get Romana in it and uh, in the comics and, and radio serials and other stories that have been coming out um, since since the uh, 1996 movie was released uh, they the character of Romana becomes the leader of the council and uh, so 
they the doctor comes in with some talk about something we had hadn't done and because of that whole business with the five doctors thing interrupting the story that they had to go back and finish this this course of events that they were a part of um so it, it it's really cool that douglas adams gets this recognition uh years after he wrote the story and years after his death speaking of posthumous productions of his work the entire tertiary through quintessential phases were produced in 2004 and 2005 for the bbc without douglas adams direct involvement do you think that's why it was so coherent that could well be <laughs> although he did play Agarjack. posthumously interestingly enough i'm 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 not positive i think but you probably want to look this up before you put it in the podcast and don't put it in the podcast unless you've verified it but i think Douglas Adams' performance of Agrajag actually comes from a live reading of an excerpt from Life, the Universe, and Everything that I have somewhere on a CD. But uh, it was it was some live thing that he was doing where he was talking about his works and reading excerpts of them. And uh, they just happened to have a rather nice performance of him reading Agrajag with a funny voice. So... Uh, they edited it, added some reverb, and used it in the radio series. I think. Verify that. It could be possible. Or just don't. That actually sounds a lot like what uh, we did for the last couple of fits. Phoned <laughs> it in? Yeah. <laughs> well, no one's dead, yet I might have to kill Tom. I probably yeah. should put that in the podcast. Probably well, not. Well, then does he listen to the podcast? Oh, probably not. So we could get away with that. Oh, good point. So, is there any future for Not Them Productions, or at least, you know, you guys making something awesome and cool? Well, I do have something that I started working on um, way back when we first started recording Hitchhikers. I thought it would be fun to do something original that, you know, we could actually put our names on. And uh, if that ever gets off the ground, I say if because I've been procrastinating on it for a few years now... um, it probably won't be released under the Not Them Productions name, but uh, yeah, at some point you can probably look forward to Captain Spleen, the audio drama. So, surprise! This was going to be the last episode, but we have some more material to share. Part of the reason the podcast was late this week was a last-minute retooling. So next week we'll have a short episode where we interview Alice Ecker, a.k.a. Trillium. And for the final episode, we have a special treat from the Not Them Productions team. This netcast produced for Power TV by Sean Orange. Bandwidth and production assistance provided by That'sOrange.com. Check out Power TV for show notes, as always. Uh, also check out Power TV itself for videos and all your video game, toy, and other geek needs. See you next week when we reveal the secret behind our interviewing technique. So if, if we give you like, you know, 50 some half sentences, you can turn those into like 25 whole sentences, right? Well, that's how I've done the podcast the entire time. So, Especially with Tom's lines. Oh my God. Until next time.